Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings another High Republic book review. So my friends, this week I am tackling Quest for the Hidden City, written by George Mann. This is part of the High Republic Initiative, and this is in Phase 2. I'll give a little bit more information on where it sits in the timeline shortly, but if you've never joined me for a book review before, hello there, welcome, hope you enjoy yourself. But basically, I give some spoiler-free thoughts, as well as some background information on the book itself, then I delve into sort of mild spoilery thoughts, and then I give a big spoiler warning, and then give a plot overview, just so anyone who hasn't picked up the book and doesn't intend on reading it anytime soon does have the opportunity to understand what the general premise is of the plot. But with that, I would always say to people, regardless of my book reviews and my comic episodes and anything like that, I always encourage people to pick up the content. I want you to pay for it. I want you to support the creators where you can. I understand it's not always possible but I want to always make that clear in these podcasts. But with that in mind, my friends, let's delve into things. So first of all, this book was released the 1st of November 2022. I said it was written by George Mann, and then the illustrations within it, well, on the cover and then two illustrations inside, were by Nyla Magruder. And I will also say, if you want to skip to certain parts, I do leave timestamps in these videos, both on YouTube and on the podcasting apps. So in the podcast apps, I think you check the show notes and then it'll be at the bottom. And on YouTube, it's set in chapters anyway. So if you want to skip between certain parts or see exactly when the spoiler-free stuff stops, you can find that out easily, but I will give spoiler warnings. So in short, The High Republic is a multimedia initiative started primarily by five Star Wars authors, or the architects, as well as Michael Siglain. And the five authors are Kevin Scott, Claudia Gray, Charles Saul, Justina Ireland, and Daniel Jose Older. They've all done a myriad of comics or books, inside and outside Star Wars, those sorts of things. And they all got together and then planned over The High Republic, which is set into three phases. Phase 1 is set around 200 years before The Phantom Menace, so it's approximately 232 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is the events of A New Hope, and then that sort of Phase 1, there were 9 books in that, there were multiple comics, miniseries, all kinds of things, audio drama, etc. I've tackled all of them on the show, uh, you can either find them by typing in High Republic Comics in Motion into your podcast app, if we're now up to date on the solo feed of Styles Comics in Canon, you can try it there, uh, but that probably isn't going to be until sort of late 2023, because I'm trying upload an episode a day but there's quite a lot of episodes but youtube is probably the best place to check it out because i've got a full high republic playlist and i've tried to put it in chronological order where possible and so you can just go through all the book reviews and comic episodes and all that sort of stuff and get a really good understanding of the high republic but that's basically phase one phase two is a prequel to that so phase two is set around 150 years before phase one so that is around 350 years before the phantom menace which is around 380 ish years before the events of a new hope so that's where we sit and i've delved into the phase one load so just go listen to some of those episodes the light of the jedi review is quite a good overview of the high republic but also if you listen to one of the more recent ones maybe even the fallen star or something like that then you get a better understanding of the high republic because obviously by then most of the content had come out for phase one but phase two is quite fresh quite new i think it launched in sort of october november time of 2022 
And that started with a Path of Deceit, which I did a book review for a couple weeks back. Then you got Quest for the Hidden City. So Path of Deceit was a young adult novel. Quest for the Hidden City, this one is a junior novel. And then Convergent is the adult novel. So every phase is split into three waves. And each wave normally releases three books, a junior, a young adult, and adult. And then also um, comic arcs. So normally one in the Marvel line and then one in the IDW or Dark Horse line, the all ages line, basically. Then there's normally a handful of miniseries per phase as well that kind of spread across the waves. And then you also normally get an audio drama. There are bits and pieces of other content, but I'm not going to delve into that minutia. But basically, I've tackled Path of Deceit now on Quest for the Hidden City. But with phase two, it's all a lot more about exploring things. Now, there are sort of events that are going to happen. Obviously, there's the audio drama that's coming out very soon called Battle of Jeddah. And that's set after Convergence. And there's been hinting at things in the comics as well, where basically there's just a lot of stuff going on in Jeddah with a variety of different religious and spiritual groups. And they start to clash, as well as some manipulation from a certain cult. Then it kind of worsens. That's the general idea, at least how much I understand to clarify, I've only read the first three chapters of Convergence as of yet, and I've just finished issue four of the High Republic Marvel comics, so that's an idea of kind of where I am right now of recording this, so some of my information may be ahead of things or behind things, who knows. But this phase is all about exploration, and specifically the junior novels, I think, centre a lot more around this element of things. Pathfinder teams. I do apologise if I say pathfinding at any point, but it is a pathfinder team. Now, Pathfinder team has five members in it. One member is a droid, and then the other four are sentient species that are humanoids, usually. So out of those, normally you've got a Jedi Master and a Padawan, and then along with those, you've normally got a pilot and also a medic. So it shows that the Republic side of things, which is usually the droid, the medic, and the pilot, teaming up with the Jedi, obviously the Master and the Padawan, so it's a way for the Republic and their relationship with the Jedi Order to continue to grow and assist each other while also exploring the galaxy. And they get sent off into certain places to check if planets are inhabitable, if there are people living there or sentient species. Then if that system wants to join the Republic and then they can get more resources and things, but they have to adhere to certain rules, blah, blah, blah. It's that kind of thing. But the pathfinding element is much more about going to a new world and exploring and then reporting back to the Republic and telling them, oh, this world's got this on it and kind of mapping star maps. Because obviously in Star Wars, especially around the Skullcasa Saga, it's like, oh, you know where this planet is. Or, oh my God, Naboo is far away from this planet. And it's like, well, how do people know that? Well, there had to be a point where people started mapping out the stars and actually, you know, going to some of these places. And this is sort of the tail end of that. I assume as we go back further not necessarily in the high republic i suspect the next phase is going to be called something like the young republic because the republic kind of was founded about nine no about a thousand years before the skywalker saga so about 100 years before yoda was born and that's after the sith and jedi wars and all that sort of stuff but i'm pretty sure during that time there was a degree of planets known it wasn't like space travel hadn't been started then but i think the core worlds were a lot more explored but the outer rim and things weren't really so that's generally where we kind of sit in the timeline that's generally what the kind of status of the universe as it were so there's a lot of cool stories that can just from that one concept alone of pathfinder teams is really really interesting so very excited to delve into the phase two of the high republic and i can say so far i've not been disappointed the comics took a little bit longer to get into but once i got to sort of issue three of the marvel comics man it's brilliant and the blade comics by charles saul about the blade of bardota uh, which is porter engel who is also in phase one of the high republic that one off that first issue is probably one of the best styles comics i've read it was phenomenal so I can't wait for the rest of that series. But 
I'm here to talk about Quest for the Hidden City. So I've given you a lot of background information on that, so now it's time to give my sort of general thoughts and things without giving any spoilers. So my general thoughts are, this is a really, really good junior novel. I think this is on par with the junior novels we kind of got from Phase 1 of the High Republic. Maybe a smidge worse, maybe, but I was very, very impressed by the High Republic junior novels of Phase 1. Obviously, they were A Test of Courage, Mission to Disaster, and Race to Crash Point Tower. Um, the first and third ones, so A Test of Courage and Mission to Disaster, they were both centering around Vanestra Rowe and were written by Justina Ireland. Then Justina Ireland wrote the young adult novel, Out of the Shadows, and that featured Vanestra Rowe. So the second junior novel was written by Daniel Jose Older. And it's it's all about sort of Ram Jomaram and his kind of his perspective when the stuff happened at the Republic Fair. So I found the junior novels for me were better than the young adult novels of phase one, but I think the adult novels were the best of all of the books in the High Republic. And I think the three adult books for the High Republic as well, phase one, were amidst the best Star Wars books we've had in the canon as well. So very high hopes, very high expectations for phase two. And hearing it was a prequel and then there's not like a clear central antagonist, I was like, oh, I'm not as sure because obviously phase one was the Nile. But, you know, Path of Deceit absolutely smashed it. I think Path of Deceit is the best young adult novel in the High Republic by quite a bit and also it's probably the best young adult novel in star wars um canon at least aside from maybe lost stars because lost stars by claudia gray is arguably one of the best star wars books ever written so it's it's kind of hard to compare it to that but path of deceit was absolutely fantastic whereas quest for the hidden city i did find it was enjoyable i thought it was good I find that the plot was a bit more clear. It was a bit more concise than, say, the other junior novels. And I really like the exploration element of it. I think the way that George Mann tackled a lot of the characters was done incredibly well. I was really, really bought in, especially by the main Jedi and the Padawan. And I'll give some details about those characters in the next sort of spoilery-ish section. But I just found all the characters really good. I like the themes. There's a lot of themes about sort of overmining, deforestation, I assume, is kind of linked with that, climate change, kind of, you know, humans' impact on Earth and built-up colonies of people's impact on planets. You know, what happens when you make a civilization where you need power, you need food, you need this, you need that, and what is one willing to sacrifice to get those things? That's quite a common theme around this book, which I think is very important, both because, you know, I believe climate change is a thing. I'm not trying to get political here, but I believe it is happening. So I think, well, the more people can have even a vague idea about it, even kids reading about similar-ish kind of things happening in books, is a really good way to open up that kind of conversation and opens the minds of children to be able to think about those things. And that's what I think a lot of these books need to do you know especially the junior novels the junior novels really need to teach a lesson while also being entertaining and adding to the star wars universe so i think the junior novels when they do it do it very well justina island especially is excellent at writing sort of social commentary and lessons in dialogue of just certain parts there's a lot of things in her junior novels which are just well and the young adult novel to be fair out of the shadows there's a lot of things that get said that you could just pull that quote out not mention to anyone it was star wars and it's just a really clever quote so george mann is following suit in this i feel he is really really good at that sort of stuff as well but i think that the standout for me in this is actually the characters yeah the plot's pretty good it didn't grab me quite as much as other junior novels did but i don't know if that's because my expectations were so high because in phase one i was like meh i'll give the junior novel a go and then i read it the first one um and i was like whoa that's amazing wow and that was a test of courage and so then after that i was like surely the next one can't be that good and then it was you know another new character who i absolutely adore ram Dromaram, and then also another perspective of basically the rising storm which is my favorite high republic book so it was just hitting all cylinders for me but i still think this is really really good very strong start this is definitely not a weak book by any stretch of the imagination it's good for anyone's age i would say if you've never read a styles book before this isn't the place to start but i would say for all the junior novels i've read i would not recommend them as the first place to start for anyone trying to get into Star Wars reading. Path of Deceit, 
that's a very good book to get into uh, and also as i have mentioned prior with uh, claudia gray's lost stars so path of deceit lost stars probably light of the jedi as well all really really good places to start in the canon of where to read but the junior novels you know they work really well and if people are trying to get into the high republic you don't actually have to consume any content from phase one to appreciate phase two and i imagine once all of phase two is out it might work quite nicely to actually consume it in the order of phase two then phase one then phase three not dissimilar to star wars trilogies you know some people argue that you watch the originals first then the prequels and the sequels hopefully the high republic won't be like that so far there's definitely not a proper weak book i think the young adult novels of phase one is still the weakest so far however once again i still think they're really really good so that's kind of my rambly, vague thought on Quest for the Hidden City without giving any spoilers or any information really about it at all, aside from very minor themes. So this is your spoiler warning. If you want to go into the book without knowing anything else, stop it here, go read the book, and then come back and continue listening. Whereas if you want a bit more information about the book, about the themes, the characters and things, then continue listening. And then right at the end, as I said earlier, I will get into the overview of the plot. So before giving some slightly more spoilery details, I'm going to just read the blurb of the book so it gives you a good understanding of what the book actually contains plot-wise without actually giving you any spoilers that the publisher and author wouldn't already want you to know about the novel, so it's a really good place to start. Centuries before the Clone Wars or the Empire, in the early days of the High Republic, it was an age of exploration in a galaxy far, far away. It's a time of excitement and discovery. Daring pilots chart new routes through hyperspace while Pathfinder teams make contact with frontier worlds to invite them to join the Republic. When a Pathfinder team's communication droid is found drifting in space, damaged and bearing a cryptic message, Jedi Knight Salandra Show and her Padawan Rupa Nittani are sent to find the missing team members. Their investigation leads them to the planet Gloam, a ravaged world said to be haunted by mythical monsters. But the situation on Gloam is much more complicated and perilous than they know. A hyperspace explorer named Spence and his son, Das, are stranded on the planet and have learned that the mythical monsters are very real and very, very dangerous. Spence manages to activate a distress beacon to call for help, but fears their time is running out as the monsters close in. Can the Jedi find the missing Pathfinders, save Das and Spence, and unravel the mystery of the monsters? The answers lie in a hidden city beneath the planet's surface. So yeah, that gives you quite a good idea of what is in this book and what you can kind of expect, you know, aligns with some of the themes I gave. But let's just delve into it a little bit more about some of these planets and also about the characters and things, just so we can get a good idea of what's sort of going on. So in that blurb, it was mentioned that certain models of droids were sent out with like a message or something to tell people about things because communication at this time, you can't just come to someone who's in like a core world if you're in the outer rim. It just doesn't work because in phase two, what the ideas are is that the Pathfinder teams go out and there's other teams, I think either that go with them or sometimes the Pathfinder teams do this as well, but basically leave beacons out. And there's engineering teams. There's a one in this book as well, actually, that aren't mentioned on the blurb, but I'll mention it a bit. But they basically are there to kind of help set up communications. They're engineers. So teams get sent out across the Republic, across the galaxy, trying to put up communication arrays and things like that so that people can come to each other across the galaxy. Now, the droids themselves to establish communications on the frontier are called EX models, and they carry messages back and forth, and they each belong to a different finder team. So every Pathfinder team has a specific droid, gives them a message, sends them off into space to hopefully, you know, pass the message on or ask for help or something like that. And then usually the droid gets returned to said Pathfinder team and it goes from there. So that's, that's an element I really like. 
So the father and son duo are called Spence and Das Lefbrek. So Das is about 12 years old. Spence is a hyperspace explorer and they both get stranded. Basically, that's kind of how it all starts up. They were traveling from world to world. They were searching for the frontier for new and unexplored places. And then they get stranded there for a reason that I may get into in the spoiler parts. They're a really interesting dynamic. I really like father-son duos. Obviously, anyone who knows anything about my personal life knows that I've got a little soft spot for those sort of things. But yeah, these characters really well written and I really enjoyed them. So the other characters that were mentioned on the back were the Jedi Master and Padawan. So the Master is Salandra Show, she is a human, and then you've got the her Padawan, who's also human, called Rupa Natani. Now Rupa is actually seen on the cover of this book along with Das. So you get to see those. And there are two more illustrations inside of the book as well that I really like. And it's one of the things I really love about the junior novels, especially when it's a whole new era of Star Wars. I'm quite a visual person, so I really like reading these junior novels, seeing what some of these characters look like, or at least an artist's interpretation of them, as well as a lot of the concept art that exists, hence why I love my Art of the High Republic book so much, because there's just so much cool stuff in there. So I really recommend when people pick up High Republic books, if there's certain characters that pop up, especially in like Light of the Jedi, uh, Megan started reading that actually, and so I sent her some of the concept art screenshots of certain characters, just because it's, it's a bit easier on the mind, at least for me, to be able to visualise those people. So Salandra Show, the master, she's proficient with a lightsaber, but she actually favours using a shield. Now there is concept art of her, which is very cool, and her using of the shield I think really shows kind of the mindset of some of the, the Jedi at those times, and how she is kind of elevated above them in certain ways, where she's truly taking the defensive nature of the Jedi to heart to such a degree that her one of her primary tools of combating aggressive foes is literally a shield. So I think that's a really cool idea. I don't know if there's characters in Legends that have shields. They're probably are Jedi and Legends with shields, because Legends has some weird and wacky stuff. But I think in the canon, this being a new character with a shield that we've not seen before in canon, that's really, really cool. Obviously, there are characters with shields, but I mean Jedi specifically. I really like that. Now, Rupert, she's somewhat our point of view character. Now, we do get a point of view from Das, as well as Natani, and then you do get a couple of chapters with other people, or people surrounding these two, but they're kind of the main two. Now, Natani is a 14-year-old human girl, and she has this unique force power that's introduced very early on, which the way she sees the force is with the colours. She sees everything in colour, so she can kind of close her eyes and, and see around her, and she sees her master in a certain colour, and then her fellow pathfinders, another colour, and people around her that kind of neutral is another one and then darker threats kind of come off as more ominous colors and things that idea a is brilliant i love it and b it connects in with the idea of the high republic which is arguably my favorite element of the high republic which is the whole idea that every jedi views the force differently they're obviously going to be common threads because there's like 10,000 Jedi and I don't know if there's 10,000 ways to describe what the Force could be. I may be wrong, but there's some really interesting ones. Like you've got Beriaga, who's the Wookiee Jedi from Phase 1. He sees it as like the trees and like a root system and forests and stuff. That's how he sees the Force, which obviously being a Wookiee and from Kashyyyk, that makes a lot of sense because that's how they view a lot of the life force of the universe anyway. Then you've got characters who see it like um, a current of the ocean. Others see it as like rivers and streams kind of splitting off each other, falling off a mountain. Some see it as music. Some see the universe versus like mechanical stuff like gears and cogs and whatnot and i just love hearing people's perspectives in real life about how they think the universe is and what creates what and etc and so when i hear it in star wars i like it even more because it really shows the individuality and when you hear characters having these perspectives i'm just i'm so intrigued by it. I, I love it i love anything to do with the force so when i hear about other people's force interpretations and how that actually influences their use of the force oh i absolutely adore it and along with this force power of Rupert's being able to, you know, see things in uh, colours, she can actually sense things quite far away. Uh, so there are parts in this book, which it happens quite early on, so I'm not spoiling anything, where she kind of gets a feeling, she kind of focuses on, and then she sees, like, a colour really far away. 
And so in her mind, she's like, well, there might be someone we need to help. So she wants to go over to that place. And so the, the dynamics between Solandra and Rupert, you know, Master and Padawan, and then between father and son, Spence and Das, really, really like that. I like those relationships. And I think that the differences in the two dynamics and the similarities are really, really something to, to watch out for if you read this book. So the other thing mentioned on the back was the planet of Gloam. Now, Gloam is the twin of a planet called Obadaz, A-U-B-A-D-A-S, Obadaz, Obadaz. And I really like this idea of these twin planets. And what I've noticing a lot in phase two of the High Republic is there's a lot of duality. There's a huge amount of two different perspectives of one side of the coin. It's not so clear as like good or evil. It's a lot more gray. And I'm finding that I'm pretty certain in phase two of the High Republic, there are actually two chancellors as well. So there's two chancellors in that. In the Path of Deceit, in the Path of the Open Hand, there's two leaders of the Path of the Open Hand, you know, the Mother and the Herald. In, you know, Star Wars, there's the Sith, which is, you know, there's always two of them. In with Jedi, there's the Master and the Padawan. With this, there's a lot of twos of characters. There's two and two and two. There's a couple of engineers together. There's Das and Spence. So two is quite a common theme across phase two of the High Republic. And I really, really like that. And I think, you know, Salandra's a manifestation of that, having both a sword and a shield, well, a lightsaber and a shield. You know, you've got all these elements of things. I just, I think it's very, very clever and very well thought out. And with Gloam, it's the twin of Obadaz or Obadaz or however you pronounce it. So it, it's furthering this duality. And there's this forever war going on at the point of phase two. And that's what kind of convergence seems to focus on quite a lot. And that's between the planets Erano and Eriam. Um, they were mentioned in phase one of the High Republic, I believe in Into the Dark. Um, you've got like flashbacks with Orla Jereni and Comac Vitus. When you've got these flashback parts, that's talking about these sort of elements and sort of the ripples of events that happened in phase two of the high republic for this forever war but between these two planets they're like joined it's like two planets and it's almost like a venn diagram but like kind of pulled apart a little bit with a um a moon in between them so it's, it's really really interesting I, I really like that idea when we um tackle convergence then i'll see if there's any concept art or anything about it once i've done the book review for it because really interested by that so with me mentioning the war that's sort of going on, the forever war that's uh, between Aram and Erano, I think I'm going to pronounce those differently every single time I read them. I might have to listen to the uh, to one of the audiobooks. Uh, I think the Battle of Jeddah one that comes out in a week or so. I might have to just give that a little bit of a listen to see to hear how Mark Thompson pronounces it. I know there's been a little bit of friction between how one pronounces like Markion Row. Charles Saul says it's Markion. Some of the audio things pronounce it as Marchion. Uh, and I stand by Charles Saul, A, because he created the character, and B, because I think Markion sounds much better than Marchion. But there's little things like that, or the Nile. You know, some people call it the Nihil. And it's like, well, it's from nihilism, you know, being nihilistic. It's not nihilism or nihilistic. It's nihil. Uh, so anyway, so maybe I'll have that. But it's certain Star Wars names is kind of hard to pronounce. But basically with um, Eram, E-I-R-A-M, and Urano, E-R-O-N-O-H, they're causing like hyperspace closures and their supplies are being rationed and there are space battles going on and all kinds of stuff. So it's like the galaxy is all being affected by this big war that's going on. As I said, I think it gets detailed in Convergence. And the last part of this sort of mild spoilery element I wanted to tackle was the species, the Catacoot. So they're central to this book, and there's a new character introduced called Mythic, who is a Catacoot female. You then are also introduced to Rillic, who is a Catacoot male, and the both of them kind of team up to assist the Pathfinder teams to try and locate where this droid was sent from. Because obviously, as I read on the blurb, a distress beacon was sent out, and also Pathfinder teams got missing, so... 
a Pathfinder team go there because they were the closest ones there, which has got Solange Show and Rupert in it, and they go to this planet of Obadaz to try and find out what's going on. So it's kind of a mystery in some ways, but you as the audience kind of know what's going on because you see the first chapter is, I think, Das and Spence sending out the beacon for this droid. And obviously it said it in the blurb as well. So it's like, it's not really a mystery to us what's happened, but the, the characters within the book are trying to work things out. So these catacoots, they're kind of like humanoid bats, which are quite interesting. So it, it's hard to describe, but they're flightless as well, so that their wings don't work. And there's reasoning behind that, there's reasoning you're told, and then there might be other reasons and stuff. But I'm not going to delve into that element of things, I'm going to let you sort of get that from reading this book, because I don't want myself to just read out every important point of this book, because then you won't get anything from actually reading it if you decide to after hearing my full review. But the catacoots are really interesting, and you get some of their history, and like how they live. They've got like really advanced technology, and it's quite interesting to see how their technology works differently to the known technology of the Republic and I I really like that element like obviously with Marvel stuff at the moment when you've got like things to do with Black Panther I'm not going to spoil Wakanda forever or anything but when you've got Black Panther even in the first movie um, you see that their technology is so much more advanced than anyone else's but they do things in a different way because they use vibranium with the Kataku, they're not necessarily quite as advanced. Like They're not like miles and miles ahead of the rest of the galaxy. But their technology is very good, and it surprises some of the engineers who get there to see how their technology works, because it is so different to um, the rest of the Republic. So I like that element as well. You know, Once again, we've got that duality. We've got kind of two sides of the coin, two ways of doing things. So I really like that, and I suspect that's going to be like a central point to the finale of Phase 2 of the High Republic. I think it's going to be a very much, there's a choice to be made, and either choice will be understandable, but depending on what choice is chosen will hugely affect the outcome and probably things that happen in phase three. So that is generally the end of the mild spoilers. What I'm going to do next is I'm going to read the crawl and the crawl for all, I think all the phase two content is the same, or at least phase two wave one content. So I'm just going to read out the crawl. And as I said, the crawl, I think is the same as what I read out in Path of Deceit. Uh, and then I'll give the final spoiler warning and then I'll delve into my spoilery thoughts. It is a time of great exploration. In an effort to unite the galaxy, the Chancellors of the Republic, working alongside the courageous and wise Jedi Knights, have dispatched dozens of Pathfinder teams into the farthest reaches of the Outer Rim. But it is also a time of great uncertainty. Communication is unreliable, and tall tales of mysterious planets and monstrous creatures abound. Prospectors and pirates roam the frontier, and the worlds of Iriam and Erano are locked in a forever war. And, on the far-off planet of Dalna, a new threat to the galaxy is beginning to emerge. So yeah, another good idea of the kind of things you can expect from this book and from phase two of The High Republic. So this is now your last spoiler warning. I'm not going to try and spoil everything about this book, but I'm just going to somewhat talk freely and then give a general plot overview. So more elements of these characters that I really, really enjoyed was that Jedi Salandra Show, it's confirmed that she actually lost a Padawan previously. And they speak about that and how the Jedi deal with grief and those sort of elements. And I found that to be very touching as well as someone who's obviously dealt with quite a bit of grief in my life. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out Genuine Chit Chat because I'm quite open about it all there. But it's something that I think that Jedi haven't really explored, especially in the prequel era. You know, when they're at war and there's so many Jedi dying, no one really has time to process things very well. But I think that in the High Republic, where Jedi generally don't die as frequently, it's much more of a... It has a lot more weight to it. You find that in Phase 1 of the High Republic when certain Jedi do die, but I think in this, it would be even more so. So I just... I really, really like that element of things. You know, it's sad to read, but it's, it's emotional, so it's good. 
And then speaking of loss, you've also got Spence and Das. Now, the reason it's just the two of them is because Das's mother actually died in an accident, which also caused damage to Spence's arm when Das was quite young. So once again, you've got that element of things that both Spence and also Salandra have lost someone who means a lot to them for very, very different reasons. And then it's kind of how is that affecting their relationship with Das or Rupert? You know, how does that affect their relationship with other people around them? And I really like exploring those elements, too. Now, I did mention about there being two engineers. One is called Cam, who is a Twi'lek, which is the same species as Aayla Sakura, as Bib Fortuna. You know, they're very, um, here are Syndulla. A lot of very common, you know, Twi'leks are probably the most common alien in Star Wars, I think, probably, or at least amidst them, I would at least say. And then you've got Amos, who's a Thelon. Um, Thelons, you will have seen them before. They've normally got, like, pink or bluish skin. They've got, like, small like horns in, in their chin. I think it's three on either side on their sort of lower cheeks. They're not like a Dowatin. They're not like Pam Aeta from the High Republic Phase 1, this giant, you know, seven-foot-tall wall of a person. Thelans are a lot closer to a standard humanoid. They just have lots of cool colours. Um, they are in the rest of Star Wars a fair amount. They're not in a huge, huge amount, but there are quite a few of them. You see them in the Clone Wars. You see them in certain comics, things like that. None spring to mind that are air quotes famous, but you can look up a Thelan, T-H-E-E-L-I-N. And then we get back to the Catacoots. So one whole thing with the Catacoots and their history is trying to work out why they're currently on Orbidas or why Gloam is the way it is. And in short, Gloam has basically been destroyed and polluted because of overmining. So what happened in the Catacoots' ancient history is they used to live on Gloam. They basically destroyed it for these minerals and then they left and made a home on Albadaz or Ubadaz. And then once they made their home there, they started to run out of power and things. So they started going back to Gloam to try and retrieve some of these minerals and things to help them with their civilization. And then people keep getting lost or disappeared then there's like mention of monsters and things people don't ever always return it's kind of lots of stuff like that so it's kind of unraveling the mystery of what happened there and mythic she is one who doesn't know a lot of this stuff so she says oh we were taught we were you know always been on uh Obadaz. we've never been to gloam apart from to go there to mine you know the only reason there's people over there and then as you kind of find out as the plot unravels is that yeah they, they started off on gloam and you do actually find at one point they find some like cave paintings of like jedi which I think are really cool, like Catacoot Jedi. That is something I would love to see. And you'll see pictures of certain Catacoot able to fly and things like that. So it's kind of unraveling this species that's kind of been somewhat repressed, but by their own design to try and protect them, which I think is something very important as well, culturally, for people to understand. So those are generally the broad strokes of that element. And I'm going to kind of whiz through the plot. So you get Rupert and Salandra. They go to this planet, as I said, with their Pathfinder team. And they go there. They split up because Rupert and Salandra want to go off and help people. And so they do. While this is all happening, Spence and Das are fighting off these monsters and going backwards and forwards and things like hiding in this place and then trying to get this all while trying to build this beacon. They finally build the beacon, they send it off and then that's how kind of Salandra and Rupert get notified of it. And it really helps them get rescued because, you know, they do get rescued. So Rupert and Slandra make their way to Spence and Das and do eventually rescue them, but they're actually looking out for the other Pathfinder team, which is headed by a Jedi called Rock, R-O-K. Now, they do eventually find Rock, and obviously this is very big spoilers, they do eventually find Rock, and he confirms that the other members of the Pathfinder team, including his Padawan, have all perished. And he was basically just stuck by himself in a cave, and he's very malnourished and ill and all this sort of other stuff, and it's, it's quite touching when they find him. And he's finally, you know, kind of has that sense of relief. And then like, oh, where's your Padawan? It's like, oh, God. So that's quite brutal. But yeah, there's also other cool characters. There's a character called Dietrich. I I read it as Dietrich, but it's written Dietrich, D-I-E-T-R-I-X. And so Dietrich, Obik, and GT-11 are the other members of Sil and Rupert's Pathfinder team. So you've got Dietrich is the pilot, 
Obik is the medic and then GT-11 is their droid. So you've got these all sort of together and they split up at certain points then get back together and that kind of thing. Not in a malicious relationshipy way but because they've got certain things they're stronger at and certain things they're better at. So you've got quite a lot of times where you see them interact with each other and then see them interact with other characters which I really like. It then comes to like the on Gloam, that's where a lot of the people are that are missing and then there's even more rumours of these monsters and stuff. So obviously they go over to Gloam, they eventually find out, they find all those cave paintings I mentioned, they find all these minerals and stuff that seems to be what the Catacoot were looking for and then they've come across the monsters. Now the monsters look a lot like Catacoot but they seem to be able to fly and they seem to be a lot more savage and vicious and things like that and so what eventually comes to light is that actually the minerals that they were getting from Gloam actually has this sort of disease attached to it or a weird thing where it turns the Catacoots into like these feral beings and they get like sliced open and instead of like blood or bodily fluids coming out like these tiny shards of black rocks come out of it and it's pretty mad and there's a character in this at one point they won't spoil but they do seem to start to turn and so you kind of get that perspective and it's that's a really really cool element as well but yeah, they basically find out that this has all been happening and the mythic finds out a lot of her history as a lie so she goes back to her people at the end and then tells them all about all this stuff and eventually more or less everyone they set out to find does get saved apart from rock's pathfinder team and i also want to mention here as well that sunshine dobbs is actually the reason that spence and daz got stranded on this planet themselves now i didn't mention sunshine in the path of deceit review i probably should have done because i think he's going to be a very very important character in path of deceit you hear from him he's the first character perspective you get at the very start of the book it's like a prologue and then you get him right at the very end as well but he's basically someone who's completely enamored by the mother and is willing to do literally anything for her and he's just a regular human it seems but he basically was looking for utopia along with spence and das and then they kind of find it but then he somewhat betrays them and then they get stranded on gloam so Sunshine Dobbs, he also appeared in one of the comics I'm reading at the moment. It was, I think, issue three or four of the High Republic comics. I think it's issue four, um, the Marvel High Republic comics. Sunshine appears in that as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if he appears in Convergence. And I think he's going to be like a very major player in all of the negative things that seem to happen. He seems to have this like nice demeanor it seems but then he's very very malicious and he's got that kind of evil streak to him in a sense. So um, I just want to mention him as well that I found was quite intriguing. But yeah, I think that's more or less everything I want to say about this book. You've got a general overview of what happens in it. Obviously, I said the illustrations by Niall and Magruder are brilliant. The writing by George Mann is excellent. Really, really enjoyed this book. It's a very nice, easy read uh, because, you know, the language is easy to read and also the book isn't that big. So you can kind of zoom through it and it feels like you're achieving loads because you finish chapters really, really quickly. Whereas, you know, for an adult novel, you have to read like four times as much to go through chapters. So yeah, really, really enjoyed Quest for the Hidden City. I would recommend it. I don't think it's a must read i found that with the junior novels in phase one they they weren't necessarily must reads but hearing about vanestra Rowe was quite important and she's quite central to a lot of the plots in phase one of the high republic and the race to crash point tower you kind of there's parts of the rising storm where you don't know what's happened because you get this character mentioned they're doing stuff but you don't actually get to see what they're doing but race to crash point tower you actually get to see it so for me race to crash point tower is like a necessary companion piece of the rising storm and the other two junior novels are connected without the shadows which is the young adult novel now that probably is going to be the case for phase two there's another quest book which is quest for planet x and there's going to be you know obviously another junior novel book after that so i'm really intrigued to see where this all kind of goes there is mentioned that at the end Solandra show one wants to go to Jeddah to go on a pilgrimage and to kind of find herself a little bit commune with the force I suspect she's going to be on Jeddah when the battle of Jeddah happens if not that they're going to then appear in the next adult book which I think is Cataclysm or they're even going to appear in the next young adult novel which is 
Path of Vengeance, I think it's called. So all of the things are named similar things. So it's quite, I imagine the three adult novels are going to be called one big word, maybe stuck with a C. And then you've got the junior novels all going to be Quest for or Quest of. And then the young adult novels are going to be Path of. So I think that's a quite easy way to kind of wrap your head around these ones, at least in phase two. I think they maybe learned from phase one. I don't know. Or maybe this was always the plan. Who knows? They do, clearly. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoy this book. I do really recommend it. Um, I think Path of the Sea is still above it. Um, I think that was an excellent book. But yeah, it's worth a read. It's not like essential, but if you like exploration and you like the idea of Pathfinder teams and things like that, I would really recommend this book. So my friends, I think that is where I'm going to end this book review. So uh, just thank you for listening. As always, make sure you check out my other High Republic content and non-High Republic content. I have interviewed Kevin Scott. I've interviewed Claudia Gray. I've got some other things in the background. I'm hopefully going to be coming to fruition quite soon. Um, yeah, so I do interviews of people to do with Star Wars and people who are just fans of Star Wars as well. I have tackled every single canon Marvel comic book that there is, apart from like maybe a three-month gap, because obviously I wait for you know the full arcs of certain stories to come out before tackling tackling them i don't tackle individual issues necessarily unless they're one shots i tackle volumes or, or trade paperback collections of things so if you want to get a better understanding of the styles canon without having to pick up a single comic or book in your life then consider going to the youtube channel or continuing wherever you're listening to this now it might be on the youtube channel and check out some of my other book reviews and the comic stuff even if you're not interested by comics it's probably even better for you to listen to my episodes because then you don't have to read the comics you just get the plot details and things and i go into a lot more detail when i do the comic reviews and things i say reviews i don't review comics i don't give them any rating i just normally at the end go oh that was quite good or that wasn't quite as good as the other ones but usually it's giving you the plot details connections along the way trivia planets species those sorts of things so you get a wider understanding of the canon and you also get a good understanding of the comics of star wars because some of them have some really interesting stuff in and really really important things as well i think to the whole canon especially lightsaber bleeding in the uh, 2017 vader comics or the rise of kylo ren miniseries so make sure you check those out if you haven't already in addition to that i've got my own podcast feed now so usually episodes of styles comics and canon are coming out on comics in motion that is still going to continue for the foreseeable future but what i've been doing is uploading all well, the episodes since the start to its own feed of star wars comics and canon your guide to the galaxy through the comic book lens i think it's called so that should be on the majority of podcaster apps i haven't done them for all of them i think it might be missing off iHeartRadio at the moment and there might be one or two others that i'm just in the midst of sorting out you know, have to create a new account and add them and blah 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 um so there might be a couple of places if you are listening and you go to that feed and it's not in any podcast app that you generally listen to please let me know contact me on social media at genuine chit chat and uh, let me know and i'll get it added asap but yeah, so it's its own feed. I've got a link to that in the description. I'm also part of the Pop Culture Collective. So there's a newsletter that's going to be going out every week and I'll be contributing to it most weeks and it basically gives you an update of new stuff going on with Star Wars Comics and Canon, new stuff that's going on with Genuine Chit Chat and then loads of other people who are involved in the Comics and Motion wider family. You've got people like Tony Farina who contribute to it. You've got the Femon Collective. You've got Spider-Man, The Secret Board. So if you don't want to keep being updated by things on social media or having to go on social media to keep updated, there's a link in the description. It's once a week and it gets a really good understanding of general updates and what's going on in the podcasting realm that i am a part of so please consider checking that out if you haven't already in addition to that as i said follow me on social media at genuine chit chat on instagram twitter and on facebook i put photos of the comics and books and things i tackle i do other stuff as well on there so go check that out little snippets of genuine chit chat episodes go check out genuine chit chat it's uh, on any podcast feed and also it's on youtube with videos to most of the conversations recently as well so lots of ways to consume my content in addition to that you can support the show by sharing on social media reviewing on apple podcasts or good pods anywhere that lets you leave reviews even uh, spotify lets you do a star rating so please give me five star ratings on spotify it would mean a lot to me 
the only other way you could support me is by going to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat so for as little as one pound a month you get access to loads and loads of additional content i'm talking at least one piece of additional content every single week sometimes there are two it just kind of depends as of recording this i recently released uh, megan just did a little uh, cover of rainbow connection you know by kermit the frog she did like a minute long cover of that and she sent it to me and i thought it was really nice so i put that on the patreon feed as well as we've done like a i did a book review recently there's a legends book review of rogue squadron i've also done the darth bane books so i do star wars legends book reviews on my patreon i also do a couple of canon reviews that i don't yet release on this feed i also do uh, reviews of movies and tv shows and live performances and even holidays that we go on with megan so you get good understanding of what it's like with me and megan behind the scenes as well as hearing our banter and also hearing some reviews in amidst that as well and some random other pieces of bonus content too so if you want to help out the show financially you want to get loads of additional content you get a special little feed link that you can put into a podcast app of your choice and then you get access to the over 140 episodes of afterthoughts on there most of them only like 10 minutes or so some 20 minutes but it's a really good way just bite-sized podcasts and you can just and most of my uh, patreon supporters just basically wait like a couple weeks and then just binge listen to loads of them so you can do that as well but please consider that you can go to bit.ly slash tom hanks one and it will take you to one of the free patreon episodes that i've got so you can get a little taste of what it would be like being a patreon supporter but that is enough for me, my friends. Thank you so much for listening, as always. I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way up to the very end. I'll speak to you next week, I think, with Star Wars Revelations, which is like the connective tissue of the runs of Star Wars comics, Aphra, uh, Darth Vader, Star Wars, and Mounty Hunters, and all like what they're going to be doing after the whole Hidden Empire stuff has kind of gone on. That's at least the vibe I get after reading it. But um, I'll delve more into that next week. But Revelations will be next week. Then I imagine the week after that, I'll probably do Hidden Empire, uh, and then we'll kind of see where to go from there. I'm getting quite a few comics in a couple of weeks' time, and there's going to be a couple of mini series finishing and some story arcs finishing, things like that. Obviously, the Han Solo and Chewbacca comics they end soon, so I've done part one of that a little while ago. I've got part two to do. There's obviously the High Republic comics. Talking about the High Republic a lot now, um, so but I probably won't release the High Republic content until after I've done Convergence. I'm going to see really um, because so far for the High Republic comics by Marvel, they don't seem to spoil Convergence or Battle of Jeddah, but I'll have to just kind of double check because I think issue five is going to be the end of that sort of the first wave that kind of main arc so i'm gonna to have to see just to make sure because i don't want anyone getting any spoilers so um yeah at some point i'll do the convergence and then i'll do the other high republic comics but in the meantime i'm going to be doing some non-high republic comics so it will be starting with revelations and then it will probably be hidden empire after that but thank you my friends for listening i appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way to the end please check out my other episodes other content share with your friends shout from the rooftops the name of my show and genuine chit chat and maybe my name it'll be a bit weird for your neighbors but you know be a bit of fun uh, but friends thank you i'll speak to you next week And as always, may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.